Welcome to In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. In this series, we welcome a number of Queen's University alumni who serve on Queen's University Council. And from them, we learn much about their time as students at Queen's, their career paths after convocation, and what drives their motivations to serve the Queen's community as council members. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm Dinah Jansen. Today, I'm in the virtual studio with John Armitage, Queen's University alumnus and member of University Council. Hello. How are you today? How are you? I'm fine, Dinah. I'm fantastic and even better that you are here with me. We've got lots of fun things to talk about, including your time at Queen's University, uh, the work that you did on your career path, and uh, also your role on University Council. Really fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much of your time. So, John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your career? Well, uh, my hometown's Brockville, Ontario, so I didn't go too far away from home to go to university. Um, at the time, um, I had a girlfriend. I didn't want to get too far away from her, and now she's been my wife for 49 years. So somehow that worked out. Uh, people offer her sympathies. Uh, <laughs> so at Queen's, um, I, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering. I played on the hockey team for a couple of years. Um, after graduation, went back to my hometown of Brockville as an assistant municipal engineer for two years and was offered a job with a land developer in Kingston. And uh, we moved to Kingston in the, the early 19, mid-1970s and uh, been here in the house building, land development business, investment property business ever since. All right. Thank you so much for that, John. Can you now share with us some of your memories of your time at Queen's University when you were a student? Uh, you mentioned you studied, I think, civil engineering. What kinds of activities uh, were you engaged in? You mentioned hockey as well. Tell us a little bit more. Well, uh, rowing is my sport of, of choice. I started that in, when I was 13 years old in grade nine and did it all through high school. And then when I came to Queen's, uh, I uh, tried it for the hockey team. Um, I, I, it was when they'd torn down the Jock Hardy arena and all the good hockey players left. So I ended up making the team and uh, played on the team for two years. And then, uh, then they built the new Jock Hardy and all the good players came back and I got caught at the end of two years. So I had a, a brilliant two-year career as a hockey player. But other than that at Queens, um, that and the normal student partying was pretty much the, the limits of my involvement. <laughs> All right. And um, how about your career path since leaving Queens? Students would love to hear more about that. Can you tell us how you got to where you are now? Yeah, there was a developer in Kingston um, named Howard Sly, and he was developing in Brockville. And he, I think, recognized that I must have had some talents, uh, and he offered me a job. And talked it over with my wife, and we moved to Kingston and started with his company. And uh, 23 years uh, after that, I went out on my own, and uh, I now own and operate my own company that's um, located in the west end of Kingston, and primarily house building and land development. All right. And you mentioned before we started our interview, too, that uh, you also did a lot of coaching for uh, the rowing team, too. Can you tell us more about that? 
Yeah. So when we moved to Kingston um, in 1976, that was right on the heels of the 76 Olympics and a, a group of people at Queens, including uh, some trustees and some professors, uh, decided that Queens should have a rowing team. And uh, the principal at the time, Ron Watts, was a rower. He rowed at Oxford. And so uh, he let it be known that uh, he'd be interested in uh, seeing a, a team at Queens. And uh, we made a proposal to the athletic director, Al Leonard, who at the time was skeptical. Um, he made the condition that myself and Ian McFarlane each commit five years to coaching. Ian was the head coach of the men. I was head coach of the women. And, uh, and so, um, you know, he asked us to, to write, uh, you know, a short paragraph of our qualifications. And I sent in my paragraph and that ended up being a life sentence. <laughs> okay, thank you. So can you tell us more about uh, your work on university council and what inspired you to run for election for a council seat? Sure. So after um, uh, 35 years of being heavily involved as the head coach of the rowing team, um, you know, we had a grandchild born in Kingston and then subsequently another. So I let it known to Leslie Delsin uh, in athletics that I wanted to step back as head coach. Um, and uh, it got dragged out a little bit. So after 40 years, I ended up retiring as the head coach. And I found uh, that I ended up with a lot, a lot more time on my hands because, uh, you know, as one can appreciate as a volunteer head coach of a team that is comprised of over a hundred people, varsity, junior varsity and novice uh, that, uh, you know, I, I reclaimed uh, a couple or three hours a day. And uh, someone mentioned to me that uh, university council is something I should look at. And so I looked at it, I threw my name in the hat um, and ended up being elected uh, uh, for a for a, a four year term. Well, congratulations to you on that. Uh, so, what kinds of activities have you been engaged in on University Council? Yeah, what I'm most uh, enthusiastic about right now is I'm a member of the Chancellor Search Committee, and uh, to be able to you know represent alumni um, on that is a real uh, honor. Uh, there's only been 14 chancellors in the entire history of Queen's University. Mm -hmm. And of course, these are, are, are very um, sensitive times, you know, related to the Black Lives Matter movement, related to uh, meeting the needs of recognizing Indigenous people and, uh, and their cultures. And Queen's is at a, a crucial turning point in that regard. And... Uh, it's my belief, and I believe it's the belief of many people at Queen's, that uh, getting it right for the chancellor um, is, is a crucial task for the times. Um, that's not saying that we are going looking for an Indigenous person or a Black person or a minority person. You know, we're looking for the best person, but we need someone who can bridge what seems to have been a divide uh, Let's face it, all of us who are Queen's grads at some point have talked about the whiteness of Queen's University, you know, and the, and the white bread. And we're, we're in a, obviously a very white community that there's not a lot of minority representation in Kingston. And, and Queen's, I think, is on the cusp of becoming a national leader among universities 
in recognizing the shortfall and dealing with it. And uh, Patrick Dean and his leadership has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're in the process. Uh, where it's going to go, I have no idea. But it's an amazingly uh, talented, uh, diverse group of individuals that are on the search committee. We'll be making our recommendations uh, to um, the principal uh, probably in a couple of months. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, they, I, th- I think that uh, hopefully years from now we'll look back and say, hey, we had a, a small role to play in helping Queens get it right. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So, John, now we are living in strange times with the pandemic and uh, even the announcements from the province uh, just recently about another uh, stay-at-home order. wonder if you have any advice for students out there about how to get the most out of the Queen's experience this year with remote learning still in effect and uh, the inability to really connect in person. Um, a couple of comments on that. Um, one, I would appeal to students to respect the public guidelines. Uh, living in, commu- in Kingston, as I have for you know more than 40 years, I'm very well tuned in to the mood of the community toward the university. And students and their actions uh, have a big part of that. And through the fall, uh, people in the community were saying, isn't that great? Yeah, there's no cases, you know, from the university with all these students that have moved back here to take virtual classes. But it looks like pandemic fatigue kicked in in December and the students had their parties and, uh, you know, Queens accounted for 50 some odd positive cases. If that happens again, that's going to be seriously damaging to Queen's reputation with this host community. And it's gonna take a lot to repair that. So first my appeal to the students is just just respect public guidelines. You don't need to look too far uh, beyond the statistics to realize that the 20 to 29 cohort is the cohort that has becoming the most infected in Ontario now. Mm -hmm. Um, Related to isolation, um, I was talking to a 95 year old uncle of mine who lived through World War II and he lived through the Battle of Britain. And, uh, and he just laughs when he thinks about what we're going through related to what they had to go through during the war. You know, he said they'd, uh, they'd hear the buzz bombs going overhead. And when the engine stopped, they were terrified because they knew it was dropping out of the sky somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they would hear bombs landing and they would listen. And as the bombs got louder, they knew they were approaching where they were. And they were, they would all huddle in their basement. And, uh, and uh, we, we, we are very fortunate related to what our, our predecessors went through. And the other perspective is think of the two Michaels in China who have spent their third Christmas imprisoned and alone. I mean, we can get through this. The sacrifices that we may, are making are nothing like some people are making right now um, and nothing like our, our predecessors made. So, uh, you know, my advice is, we are fortunate. We're not. Uh, we're not. We're not unfortunate, and we are. We're very lucky that Queens pivoted on a dime to virtual education. Uh, Patrick made a uh, interesting comment. He said that if you would have asked him if they could go to virtual learning, he thinks they might have been able to do it in ten years, but he wasn't sure. Queens ended up doing it in two weeks. So we're we're very fortunate that way. 
Okay, thank you so much. And now, do you have any advice for alumni to stay connected with each other as well as their alma mater? Yeah, I'm, I um, my class is coming up to 50 years, and uh, we are doing um, uh, bi-monthly Zoom meetings. And what an amazing tool to stay in touch with classmates, and especially classmates that you uh, that you've lost touch with, and. Uh, you know, to, to stay in touch with your fellow alumni, um, I would reach out to your alumni association. Um, Queens is doing a lot virtually to keep us connected. Okay. And in your view, why should alumni consider running for university council this spring? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I thought about that a lot. Um, if you look at the, the org chart, you've got the board of trustees on one side, you've got the Senate on the other, and floating somewhat in the middle is university council. Uh, what I've learned uh, in my, my few short years on council is we are the single most diverse body uh, impacting governance on the university. Uh, if one looks at uh, university council, you'll, you'd be surprised at how we more than make up for some of the shortcomings of the university and its, uh, and its diversity. And so the perspectives that are coming out of this body have an impact on the university. Uh, we elect uh, members to the board of trustees and uh, our representatives who are on the board of trustees um, are in an amazing position to impact the, the future of the university. So, you know, I talked about the chancellor search and I talked about um, the election from the university council to the board of trustees, two major ways that, that one can have an impact. All right. Anything else to add before we close today? Um, interesting times. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we'll all look back and, uh, and say, good God, um, Something the university is doing is putting together a times capsule for the 2020 grads. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what's in that when they open it in 2030. Um, let's hope we all learn from this. And uh, boy, let's hope in the next six months, we all respect public health guidelines because this, this virus is real. And, uh, and we, uh, those of us that diminish it and even say, well, if I get it, I won't get sick are living in a fool's paradise. Sage advice. Thank you so much. And folks, we have been talking with John Armitage, Queen's University alumnus and member of Queen's University Council. Thank you so much for your valuable time today. We really do appreciate it. Oh, you're most welcome. Have a good day. everyone. Welcome to another episode of In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm Dinah Jansen, and today I have the great pleasure of welcoming Queen's University alumnus and University Council member Marcus Wong into the virtual studio today. Hello, Marcus. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you very much for joining us today. Marcus, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path, where you are at and what you are doing in Vancouver area? Sure. So I graduated from Queens in 2003, and then I went off to England to do my master's. 
And then I came back and sort of took a sort of circuitous route back home. I actually had no intention of moving back to Vancouver. I felt that, you know, I'd now been, you know, part of the broader global, you know, world and got to see a lots of th cool things. But then of course, Vancouver uh, got the Olympics and I am a big Olympics junkie. You know, I, I sort of live for that. Right. And so of course mm -hmm. I had to come back and try to be involved. Um, and I was lucky to, to get a job with them doing athlete and community relations. So working with Team Canada across all of the sports, both summer and winter, um, of course, especially winter leading up to the 2010 games. And I and I'm also a certified um, race official for the sport of luge. Oh, boy. So I was able to officiate during the games, which was a really, really neat and special experience. And one thing led to another and I ended up staying, you know, put down roots, started a career here and had no intention, like I said, which was sort of ironic, but it's interesting how life sort of um, takes your plans and does something else with it. So have you ever luged yourself? I haven't, but I did do skeleton for a number of years, okay. uh, which is it's sort of close cousin where you go head first on your tummy on a, on a sled, of course, down the track. And so I, I had the chance to slide on the Whistler track as well as the Calgary track, which very, very special experience. Oh, wow. They sound exhilarating and fun. Uh, so let's go back in time a little bit, Marcus. Tell us a little bit about your time at Queen's uh, when you were here, what you were studying, and of course, the kinds of activities uh, in which you were engaged outside of your coursework. What were you up to when you were here? Sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I studied political studies, um, which is really neat because um, it, it was sort of, a, I guess, a unconscious passion of mine, you know, how government works, how institutions work, how democracy works, and how sort of that civil society engagement it plays mm -hmm. out, uh, which sort of turned out really well in terms of my career. I started getting involved with um, AMS, with the Main Campus Residence Council, which is now called Res Resident Society, and student government in general, being involved in different parts of campus. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of led me into getting involved with boards of directors after graduation, in addition to my actual work. And after many, many years of uh, experience on on different boards of different sectors. I now sit as a city council member in West Vancouver. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, you've had quite an eclectic and fun career path and uh, also taking you to the UK for your master's degree. Mm -hmm. And now you're uh, working in the Olympic sphere. So well, how... not any not in the Olympics anymore. So that was for for a short period. Okay. Um, so so yeah, so so now I, I sit on city council. That's my main role. Oh, that is your main um, job right now. Yes. Okay, that is my main job. Yes. Okay. So let's hear a little bit more about how the path went from doing your master's degree and your interest in getting involved in sport, and then becoming a city councillor. Sure. Sure. So I studied marketing as part of my master's. Okay. Um, so I was always very fascinated by things like branding, uh, you know, visual identities, logos, advertising, the sort of the visual components of marketing. Um, and of course, the Olympics are, are are very much, you know, that that's a very big part of what the Olympics are, the look and feel of the games, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so that really drew me to it, as well as, of course, being an athlete, um, just the athletic you know, endeavors of the of these amazing people was was very inspiring. And to be able to meet some of my childhood heroes in person and to go play golf and go to work and do all these sort of normal things at the desk next at the desk next to them um, was was just an opportunity I couldn't say no to. Absolutely. 
yeah so so yeah so so that sort of led me down the path of going into the olympics and or working at the olympics rather and getting involved with different sports organizations um which led me sort of to uh, other boards that were you know part of my passions you know in music in community affairs um, and just after a number of years i got the opportunity to sit on the west vancouver police board which is uh, a body that gives civilian oversight to the police department um, and that sort of led me ultimately to my role in city council. So certainly a very non-linear role is, is what I'm, or experience is what I'm told I have. And mm -hmm. so sort of frustrates recruiters sometimes because, you know, I'm not one thing, right? I'm kind of like a jack of all trades, the generalist in, in that sense. But a very eclectic and diverse uh, indeed, CV indeed. you must have indeed, yes. So what is it that you love most about your role as a city councillor in the Vancouver area now? Well, it's certainly engaging with folks from different parts of the community is a really great privilege to be able to, you know, uh, see the scouts groups, the cadets groups, the seniors group, the bicycling group, um, and all these different people that make up our community and how they all have a different role to play, right? So I very much see the community as it's almost like a body, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense that like, you know, you could be an eye, you could be a hand, you could be a foot. And you have very different functions, different roles, but you really can't say to each other, I don't need you. I actually need all these different pieces for the community to, to be cohesive. Um, so that's been really, you know, a big part of my passion in terms of bringing the community together, getting everybody into the same tent and hearing these different voices and seeing how we can make the community better. Because I, I, I truly believe that, you know, any community, especially mine is I, I tell citizens, it's not just my community, it's not just your community, it's actually our community. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important uh, thing to remember, because I think sometimes in politics, we think of like, oh, you know, the guy across the aisle, like they just have different ideas, that they don't belong to the community, they're like the enemy. But actually, we're all in this together, right? And so we need to be able to hear these different voices and find ways to, you know, reach across the aisle and find a middle way where we can find you know, solutions that will work for for both sides. And for the benefit of our listeners here in Ontario who might be unfamiliar with the, the goings-on in uh, other provinces, uh, especially with COVID-19 in mind, how have things been going for you and fellow council members in terms of managing the COVID-19 pandemic in Vancouver area? Well, yeah, it, it's been interesting of a ride because uh, our organization, especially in West Vancouver, was primarily paper-based up until the pandemic, so March 2020. Um, and so we had to do a giant pivot and giant shift in terms of being able to operate. You know, all our meeting agendas used to be on paper, would get printed out, some guy would stand next to the photocopier and, you know, photocopy reams and reams and reams of paper. And suddenly everything had to be email and PDF and password protected and Zoom and all the sort of technology that we'd never needed to use or perhaps never wanted to use and suddenly that was the only thing we had right so finding new ways to conduct business new ways to connect with community groups new ways to do what we always used to do, but in a different world mm -hmm. okay quite the challenge that mm -hmm. but uh one that many uh groups and organizations have had to overcome as well in a very yeah. strange time in all of our lives indeed thanks for sharing appreciate that now let's pivot over to university council. So uh, you've been away from the university for a while, having convocated and then gone off to the mm -hmm. UK, and now you're back in Vancouver. What inspired you to come back to the university through university council? 
I always missed um, the network and the family at Queens, you know, after having graduated, um, uh -huh. sort of just being, you know, released out into the world, as it were. And it just seemed, uh, I don't know, so, so incredibly large and sort of intimidating at times. And so, you know, in 2008, I ran for university council for the first time, and I was able to get in, which is a huge honor because, you know, there are a number of limited, li limited number of seats. Mm -hmm. um, and so that brought me back to campus to see, you know, what was changing, what was happening, uh, what were students doing, and what were the challenges, and just to be able to see that evolution over time of when I was a student, and what students are doing today, um, is really something that drives my passions. I, I love engaging with young people and sort of inspiring them, empowering them, and seeing how I can help them get to the next stage in their career or their life or whatever, based on the things I've learned in my experience, um, you know, the pitfalls and the successes and just sharing that sort of knowledge with them. Um, I think, you know, I, I was lucky to have people like that share their knowledge with me when I was younger. And so I feel a very strong sense of being able to pass that on, as it were, to this generation, to the next generation as it goes on. And so it's been interesting to to come back to campus. And I've, in many ways, I feel like I never left. I just sort of got squirreled away into a different part of campus. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I used to, yeah, a lot of courses in, were in Dunning Hall or in, um, you know, uh, Kingston Hall. I had a lot of them. So now I feel like I'm in Richardson a lot. I'm in <laughs> Ellis a lot. <laughs> but yeah, so being squirreled away into different parts of the campus. Um, and still, yes, still very much feel that, you know, Queens is certainly a part of my identity. And it's interesting that, and it's sort of as a bunny trail, as, as I've, of course, got my career and my life in Vancouver, and I'm meeting young people here through my work, through sports, through whatnot, and some of these young people have gone off to Queens. And so I'll be, at, I'll be back on campus and, you know, we'll go grab lunch and people are like, how do you know all these students? Like every generation, Marcus, you have friends there. I'm like, well, you know, through all these different connections in life, they all sort of intersected and many of them led to Queens, not because of my own doing, but, you know, and uh, it, it's really sort of broadened my, my friend circle, as it were, you know, coming to homecoming is always frustrating in a good way because what year do I hang out with? Because I've got my own year, of course, but then I have friends in almost every other year out there. And so I want to see all my friends, right? So so it's, it's an interesting so dilemma me, to have, yeah. I, I feel you there. I have friends that, you know, finished their, their degrees in the 70s and right up until like the last couple of years too. So yeah. which class do I hang out with too? That's, well, everybody where you can, I guess. Absolutely, right? You know, a really good friend of mine was Chief Freck for the engineering students uh, this last year. Um, and so I was telling some of my engineering friends from, you know, closer to my age, and they're like, how do you know Chief Freck? That's so bizarre. It's <laughs> like, it's like a 19 year old. I'm like, yeah, but these are like people I ran track with. Right. And so we just, you know, they were part of my life as an athlete and now they're part of my life at Queens and so, so on and so forth. It's a yeah. small world. <laughs> it is a very small world. All right. And now some folks may feel like the world is just a little bit smaller, having uh, spent many, many, many months uh, being at home and working remotely and studying remotely. So if we can segue that way, I wonder if you might have any advice, Marcus, for uh, the students who might be listening right now about how they can you know, stay healthy, stay well, stay on task and stay engaged uh, while they're studying still at home this year. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, the mental health and the physical health component is really, really important. Yeah. Um, you know, I find myself sitting at my computer, I'm on Zoom, literally sometimes for 12 hours a day in a row because of counsel, right? I'm stuck in chambers virtually, mm -hmm. and I can't leave my desk. <laughs> so, so I, I certainly feel it, you know, for students who are studying, and they've got lectures and homework and everything, and they're just in front of their computer all day, and they just haven't, you know, taken a break. So for me, I found it really important to go outside and go exercise, go on a run, go on a walk, just change of scenery, get fresh air. Um, and I find that, you know, I, I can be very guilty of not not taking my own advice. There's sometimes like I haven't left the house in two days kind of thing, right? right? Because I've just been busy, you know, after work and you've got laundry, then you're cooking and then you're doing more work and then you're maybe going to watch some TV before bed and then you're going to bed and then you do that all over again. And before you know it, it's been 48 hours more yep. since you've left the house, since you've driven a car. <laughs> or so bothered to really, scrape yeah. the snow off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, which I had to do last week. Right? It's a rare occurrence in Vancouver, but I did have to do that. Yes. And um, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's really important to sort of make sure you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Um, but also f taking really sort of intentional breaks to connect with people and whether you know, it's a socially distanced walk if that's allowed where you're living, or maybe on Zoom, like a number of us have gone to doing, playing video games together, right? We'll just pick something easy and just hang out for a couple hours and, you know, um, do something fun. You know, sometimes we'll have, you know, we'll have drinks and just try to socialize and try to connect in those different kind of ways. Um, so, you know, of course, there's a limited number of things that you can do, I suppose, but just trying to, you know, find ways that you're still intentionally connecting with people you know it could be as simple as texting somebody you haven't talked to in a while to be hey you know you've been on my mind for a while just wanted to make sure you're doing okay um you know and, and that sort of thing right i think mm -hmm. i think those little touches really matter a lot um especially as you know during covid life life events are still happening right you know people are still get, getting married people are still passing away so people are you know, still getting new jobs, losing jobs and all that sort of stuff. And so I think it's really important to remember those those things that people are going through that you may not know about or think about because you're not seeing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And now before we close today, Marcus, do you have any advice for alumni out there, wherever they may be in the world, about staying engaged with each other as well as with Queen's University? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the advice I gave, you know, with respect to COVID and to students certainly applies to alumni. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, perhaps it could be even more difficult as alumni because generally, you know, you're, you're further along in life and maybe you have kids, maybe a family. And so you're not thinking about engaging with, you know, your, your, your alumni circle necessarily, right? So I think it's important to do that. Um, and also to, to, you know, find ways to connect with Queens. You know, I, th I think it's been really neat to see homecoming move online. And so to be able to get a flavor of the tricolor at home with your, your family and friends, um, that's been really neat. Mm -hmm. um, but also sort of, you know, find, find ways, I guess, to re reminiscent in a positive sense, right? You know, I, I see on Facebook, a lot of the students have started like, digging up and posting heritage photos, you know, from history at Queens and Kingston and, you know, what the streets used to look like 50 years ago and just sort of talking about these, these things that sort of tie us together, right? And the shared experience of being a Queens student, I think is far more powerful than sometimes we realize. And I'd certainly notice it when I talk to some of my friends who graduated, you know, 10, 15 years after me, we can talk about 
what they did, you know, of course, before COVID on campus, where they hang, hung out, you know, what activities they did. And I know exactly what it feels like when they say these things or where they went and what they would have experienced. Because I experienced those, many of those same things too, right? So I think there's a lot of very, you know, uh, there's a lot of shared experiences that we may not realize that we all have despite our age differences. So I think finding ways to um, connect with students and alumni and just sharing those those things will be really, really important. Well, thank you for those words of wisdom. Appreciate that. Anything else to add before we wrap up today, Marcus? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, I certainly I think it's um, always worthwhile to to make a call out for folks to get involved, you know, back with Queens if they haven't already, whether it's a volunteer, um, whether as a, you know, mentor, uh, there's so many different ways to get involved and stay involved and stay connected with family. So I certainly want to encourage folks to do that despite COVID and certainly after COVID, I really look forward to seeing everybody back on campus or in, you know, different parts of Canada around the world, wherever they may be. I know the Hong Kong chapter of Queen's alumni has invited me out for lunch next time at that part of the world. And I'm like, game on. I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly down for that. I don't know many of you, but I certainly want to meet you. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So so I think, you know, I, I think there's going to be a great sort of rejoicing, as it were, after COVID when we can sort of meet up again and gather and see each other and do the things we all used to do. Um, so I think, you know, so, so the interim, you know, I've been reminded recently by a mentor that the night is always darkest uh, right before sunrise. And I feel like we're just on the cusp of something really great as a community, as a, as a country, um, and as a, an alumni family. So you know, certainly very much looking forward to that and the different ways that we'll be, we'll be engaging with each other. Well, thank you very much, folks. We have been chatting with Marcus Wong of the University Council, also a Queen's University alumnus and a counselor in West Vancouver. Thank you so much for joining us on our program today. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. everyone, I'm Dinah Jansen and I have the great pleasure of welcoming University Council member Michael Parsh into my virtual studio today. Welcome, Michael. Hi. Michael is the manager at Enterprise Business Applications and also a member of Queen's University Council. So, Michael, it's really great to be able to talk to you today, uh, not only about uh, your work on University Council, but your time at Queen's and your career path. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Um, I graduated from Queens in 1980, 1988, my goodness, I can't remember the year I graduated, and um, I started working in uh, programming and computer programming, which was um, somewhat kind of growing at the time, and I did that for a number of years, and then I started uh, managing project, leading and managing projects, and from there I've uh, worked in a number of public institutions uh, managing sort of the uh, enterprise applications groups within those. And lately I've been 
uh, focusing on implementing new newer technology projects for various places. So I've worked in higher education. I did some time at Algonquin College, six years there. Um, and I've worked for a number of cities within the Ottawa area doing the same kind of work. And um, yeah, that's that's sort of what I am. I, I do technology implementation projects, which um, are interesting. Fantastic. So can you share some of your memories of your time at Queen's? You graduated, you stated in 1988. So uh, what were you doing? Uh, what were you studying when you were at Queen's? And what kinds of activities were you engaged in uh, while you were a student and outside of your coursework? Um, so I um, studied engineering. Um, I was in the applied math uh, engineering uh, program. Um, so that that took up a fair amount of time in terms of studying and, and, and working with that. And um, uh, it was interesting. My time at Queens started uh, when during Frosh Week, I met my, my wife, actually. Um, that's when we met and uh, connected then. And um, we spent a lot of time um, with a, a fairly small group of friends hanging out. And in terms of what I did on campus, I... Um, with the football games, we went downtown on the weekend. I went to Ritual pretty much every Friday. Um, which, uh, and um, I didn't get involved in too many extracurricular activities, but I, I really enjoyed living in Kingston and sort of, um, you know, considering myself a member of the community at the time. It was just, it was just, it's one of the places. So we've always said that we would only live in a certain number of places. And we would always say uh, Kingston's still on our list of a place that we want to, we would want to live. Wonderful. So some of our student listeners, I'm sure would really benefit from learning about your career path. You graduated with a degree in engineering from the university again in 1988, uh, and then moved on to uh, a number of different pathways, including Algonquin College. And I understand some of your uh, career passions have also been around student retention and, and student advising, which seems a quite distinct uh, departure from a career in engineering. How did you get to where you are now? Um, so in third and fourth year engineering, I started uh, taking the computer science stream so that when you're doing uh, engineering, you, you pick a discipline, which is applied math, and they had a, they have a couple of uh, streams within that. And um, I started doing programming. So that, that's how I got into that world. And then um, my career path kind of took me through technology implementation roles um, and project management, management of people. And um, I started getting involved in sort of the more student aspect of it. When I was at Algonquin College, I was managing the enterprise uh, applications group. We were responsible for the student information system um, and a number of other student-based systems. And part of our work there was a leadership program. And as part of that, um, I started getting very interested in trying to find ways of identifying students at risk. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a post-secondary institution, you don't really know a lot about students coming to class. Like there's no attendance. There's, you, you don't know when people are stopped going to class. Um, you know, you kind of see their grades as they go along, but you don't really know anything else about them from an administrative point of view. So we tried finding ways of identifying uh, students at risk. And some of that was um, certain key indicator grades are indicators that students are having trouble. So it's, it's, it's not, you know, your overall GPA, but certain, certain courses um, 
even high school courses point to student success. And so that's where I started getting very interested in that. And then um, I did a number of uh, sort of leadership projects at Algonquin at the time. And we, we tried um, we tried a couple of ways of, of identifying students at risk because we, what, we're, what we were trying to identify is when a student stops going to class. So if they stop showing up, because they're too busy with a job because they don't have enough money or, or if they, they have other stresses in their life and they're just not coming to class, that's a key indicator that they're probably not doing very well or probably won't do very well um, in their academic studies. So um, that's, that's some of the things we identified back when I was there. Okay, very interesting. So how are you able to put some of that knowledge to use uh, and practice perhaps on University Council? Um, well, on University Council, um, I've been involved in a number of projects. One of them, I'm not sure I was putting this to use, but I was on uh, a subcommittee called the Alcohol Use and Abuse Committee. Mm -hmm. um, and we and that was about two years ago, and we were really trying to work with the, the university administration to figure any more avenues to try to identify areas where um, you know, we, could, we could help students deal with, you know, some students are, are obviously abuse alcohol and we wanted to find ways of the university helping those students. And what we found, I mean, we found, we had some findings, but for the most part, we found that Principal Wolf was doing a, and his administration were doing a really good job of, of trying to identify and help students with with that because um, you know there has been a lot of uh, press uh, of Queens uh, having large scale um, events and parties, and so I mean I think that that kind of those news stories have gone down, which is uh, which is good, and I don't know if our work was part of that, but we certainly tried to address some certain areas there. Mm -hmm. So let's hear more about the work that you do on University Council, and also perhaps something about your your inspirations. I, I understand you were elected back in 2016, the first time? Yes. So what inspired you to get involved, and what have you been doing on University Council since? Um, so I, in my... Um, volunteer world up until that point i've been involved in a, a local youth program so um it's uh, it was it was a, a youth activities program basically and so um, i was leading that program it was for teenagers and pre-teenagers and we would provide them sort of um it was a weekly kind of event we would have and, and it just it, it provided them with a, a community um, that they could be a part of and um Luckily, I was. It, it was it was good work for me. I enjoyed that work, and um, but it was as as my children age, so does my interest in terms of following that sort of age group um, to post secondary. So, my, number of my children were in post secondary. I was like, oh, maybe there's something I could do for Queens. And then I heard about uh, University Council elections, and I thought I would try that out. Um, my first year in university council I was pretty quiet. I, I went to the, the annual meeting and I didn't really do a lot, but my second, third and fourth years, um, I've become more involved in some of the subcommittee work. I mean, some of the subcommittee work is not as interesting as others. One was a bylaw review. I mean, that, that, 
that doesn't sound very interesting. Um, I love by law. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. <laughs> um, uh, but other things were interesting, like the alcohol use and abuse committee work, um, finding out what the university was up to in that field was very interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I've been involved with. So one of the things we have been struggling with as university council as a whole is knowing what our role is. And a lot of people don't know what the role is. And the role is, has been uh, evolving since it was started 170 years ago. Um, and so one of the things that I was involved with was developing something called a personal engagement plan which is really um, a way for each counselor to identify how they're going to engage during their time on council. So am I going to do, am I going to help the faculty of engineering do fundraising? Am I going to help out at homecoming? Am I going to, um, you know, spend more time with the alumni association? So it allows each individual counselor to kind of think about and document what they plan to do. And they can kind of look at that on an ongoing basis as opposed to not really knowing what our role is. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some of the other things I've done is I've, um, I helped out have serving pancakes at a Dean's pancake breakfast during homecoming once. Um, I mean, that's partly because uh, current Dean of Engineering, Kevin Luzio is, um, is a classmate of mine. So I, I knew him, so. Uh, oh, fun. I mean, that was one of the more fun things I did. Okay. Um, and then just, you know, as part of that, I got to see some students and, and a lot of alumni and seeing how they were reconnecting, coming back to Queens, which is always a fun thing to do. Thanks so much for sharing. So I wonder, as a person who is uh, committed to uh, the best student experience possible, I wonder what advice you might have for students to get the most out of their Queen's experience in general, but particularly this year uh, with remote learning still in effect. Yeah, it, I, it's hard. I know my, my son is currently in second year in the current education in music at Queens. Um, and he, I mean, he is having a hard time uh, connecting with people. And I think that's what I would try to do is try to connect with people. Um, I know you're, I mean, you're, you're in, uh, you're in video calls with, with your classmates, but that's, that's sort of, you don't really connecting people. So I'd try to suggest that somehow and I find the same thing at work is in, in order, I work from home now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really trying to connect out with people to, to try to uh, engage in that larger Queens community. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's any extracurricular events that are happening virtually or not, but if there are, the, that's something I would suggest um, to do as well. My son, I mean, he's got a really good group of housemates um, and they spend a lot of time together. Um, uh, and so that's where he's getting his sense of community. It's, it's a very small sense of community, but mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what I would suggest is try to try to reach out to people. Because if you're doing virtual classes, you may not even be in Kingston. You may be wherever you are. And you need to try to connect with other Queen students. Okay. So with university council elections coming up soon in the spring, why in your view might fellow alumni consider running for university council? Um, well, university council is 40, is, uh, 40 members. They're always looking for a wide variety of people from a wide variety of experiences. 
um, to try to um, um, engage, you know, with with a large community of people. So why would why should you run? Well, if you enjoyed your time at the university, and um, I mean your opinions are probably valuable in terms of trying to um, help out university council in in the work that they do. Um, we are moving towards being sort of an advisory body. And so administration will come and ask questions and, and uh, of, of council. And we try to find people that are interested in, in providing some sort of guidance. I mean, it's just, it's really just, um, you know, advising administration on whatever policies or uh, thinking they're, they're looking at. Um, so that, that, that's what university council is moving more towards is, is more of an advisory body and when we have some formal functions that we do, we do uh, select the chancellor. So that's a process that's ongoing currently where we're going through um, finding a new uh, chancellor. Jim's time is up in June and we need to find someone to replace him. Indeed. So have you anything else to add to our conversation today, Michael? It, it would have been nice to have this conversation not virtually, so we could connect more, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the way of the world right now. Indeed, you're absolutely right. I wish I could be talking to you as, as well as other university council members in person, too. And hopefully that will happen maybe in the next year. <laughs> but uh, as uh, for folks that are listening, uh, this is being recorded two days before uh, or three days before the provincial lockdown. So, um, yeah, we don't know what's going to be happening a few months from now either. No. So uh, thank you very much, folks. We've been talking to Michael Parsh, the, uh, one of the University Council members, uh, all about University Council, his time at Queen's and his career path since. Michael, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. I, I, I kind of enjoyed trying to put some of the things, uh, you know, my experiences back into into our conversation. I hope, I hope it came across. <laughs> I think that it did. And we really do appreciate learning more from you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.